This has really been a short weekend, two days, uh, and we have been exploring the meaning of Bethany, the little village that Jesus visited while he was on this earth. And we have seen that Bethany was the only place on earth where Jesus Christ was fully received, where he was welcomed, where he was given a place to lay his head, and where his heart was satisfied. And I call it God's favorite place on earth. For me, we can make the Christian life really complicated and get off on all kinds of rabbit trails and different things to chase and different things to go after and center on and pursue. But for me, it really boils down to this. Jesus Christ wants a Bethany again. And my purpose in life is to be a Bethany for him. A place where he can be fully and totally received. A place where he can lay his head. And this is a vision for every church. Every church is to be a Bethany. Not a place where Jesus is the guest of honor, but where he is head of the house. Where he can dwell, not just reside, but dwell. A home, not just a house. You know, not every house is a home. And so, if I could leave that with you as a vision to put before you, Lord, I want to be a Bethany for you. The church that I'm a part of, may we be a Bethany for you. Then um, I don't think you will err very far. We've seen two snapshots already of Bethany. And uh, there are actually two more. But I'm just going to share one with you tonight. And it's the way we'll end this event. And God willing, early next year there will be a book that will come out entitled God's Favorite Place on Earth. And in that book there will be an acknowledgement. And it will say something like, and special thanks to the brothers and sisters who met together or who I met with or something like that in Owensburg, Kentucky in May of 2012. And the reason for that is because some of the things that were said today and I suspect tonight were things that I have learned and I will weave those into the book. What do you think about that? Is that all right? To have your approval? I have learned a great deal from many sources, but the richest source that I have learned from is the body of Christ. I have learned more from my brothers and sisters in Christ. It ought to be that way because the fullness of Christ is in his body. That's where it is. So we learn from one another. Okay. The last scene, the last snapshot about the Lord's time in Bethany. Matthew 21, verse 17. And he left them. He was just in Jerusalem and he just cleared out the temple. He left them in Jerusalem and went out of the city to Bethany. And he spent the night there. Now this is the last week of his life on earth. 
Now in the morning, verse 18, when he was returning to the city, the city of Jerusalem, he was hungry. And seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves only. And he said to it, No longer shall there ever be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. Now I want you to see the picture here. Jesus is leaving Bethany. He's going back into the city of Jerusalem. And he's hungry. The Lord is hungry. The Lord has a need. The Lord is seeking to be satisfied. And he sees a fig tree which is supposed to bear figs. And a fig tree that has leaves on it is shouting, I have figs. So if you had a fig tree and it has leaves on it, it was supposed to have figs. Well, this was a defective tree because it was giving a wrong message. It was saying, I have figs because I have leaves, but when Jesus looked for figs, there were not. The fig tree was lying. And the Lord cursed it. Most Bible scholars will tell you that the fig tree is a symbol of Judaism. And here is the Hebrew faith, here is the, the Jewish religion, here's the city of Jerusalem saying, God called us, God chose us, we have figs. But it was empty, it was hollow, there was death there. Jesus had just cleared out the temple, which was a picture in itself. It was judgment against the house of God because the people had corrupted it. And he was saying, this house is coming down. Because it's no longer satisfying the heart of God. It is a fig tree that is without figs. All right, so just keep that in mind now. Jesus is not being fed by the fig tree, right? Okay, now let's turn to Matthew 26. Verse 6. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, at the home of Simon the leper, and here he is, and I again, as I said yesterday, believe this was the widowed father of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He used to have leprosy, but he is a healed, cleansed leper. I would suspect that Jesus was the one who healed him. It is the home of Simon the leper, which also is the home of Martha. And a woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. Now notice she poured it on his head. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this and they said, Why this waste? For this perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you bother the woman? She has done a good deed to me. For you always will have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. For when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. 
Now that's Matthew's account. Let's go to John 12 and look at John's account. And John fills in some details about this same story that we do not find in Matthew. And let me just say this. Do not confuse this incident, this narrative, with what happened in Luke 7 where a sinful woman came into the house of a man named Simon who was a Pharisee and he had his other Pharisee buddies and they invited Jesus to come and this sinful woman comes in and she does something very similar. This is not the same event. It is not to be confused. This is something that happened in Bethany with Mary of Bethany, Simon the leper, not the Pharisee, and it was a totally different situation and this was six days before Jesus was crucified. Alright, so let's start with chapter 12, verse 1 of John. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there. And what I want you to understand about this is that this was not an ordinary meal. This was a banquet. This was a dinner party. And in the first century, if you had an ordinary meal, you sat down in chairs. But if you had a banquet, you reclined. You reclined usually on mats or couches. You reclined on your elbow. You propped yourself up with pillows usually. You basically were laying down and you ate with one hand. That's what this was. This was a banquet, a supper. And they made him, they made Jesus a supper in honor of him. And Martha was serving. Now, the first time we saw Martha serving, she was troubled and distracted, remember? And she upbraided her sister. Well, here she's serving. And it's okay. And she's not being rebuked. It's okay to serve as long as you're serving with the right heart and the right motive. And the energy is the right energy. And so there's been a change in Martha. And you can't help but be around Jesus of Nazareth to be changed. Either you're going to become more like him, or you're going to become antagonistic to him. But you're not going to stay neutral. And that's true today as it was then. So they made a supper there and Martha was serving. But Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary then, it's Mary now, we're told it's Mary. Matthew did not say who it was, but we know it's Mary. Took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus. Matthew said it was his head. And wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, 300 denarii was a whole year's wage for a worker in that day. This would be the equivalent, depending on where you live, but the average income for someone with a job in the United States, this is average, mediums and all that, 
is about $50,000. So just imagine this was very expensive perfume. This was nard from India, very rare. And I suspect that it was given to Mary. Remember, this was a well-to-do household. It was given to her. Perhaps her mother gave it to her. It was a family inheritance. And she opens the flask. And once you open it, you cannot close it. Seal was broken. And this perfume, this nard, is spikenard. They call it pistic spikenard. It is so strong. I mean, even an ounce of it. You can smell it everywhere. She pours the whole thing on Jesus. $50,000. Judas is calculating, okay? He's watching this. His brain is going into the figures. Holy $50,000 wasted on Jesus. $50,000 wasted on Jesus. Hmm. Okay, let's read on. Judas Iscariot, of course, he, verse 5, we could have given this to the poor. Now, he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put in it. So he would skim some money from the top. Isn't that amazing? Jesus chose this man to be one of his disciples. Think about that. He chose him. And allowed him to be the treasurer. I talked about the Lord having surprises. That's surprising. He did it. Therefore Jesus said, let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. And here again, Mary doesn't say a word. Jesus defends her again. If we can just kind of recreate the scene here. Just think about it for a minute. Jesus has just gone to Jerusalem. He comes back to Bethany. He spends the night where he finds rest, solace, reception, comfort, encouragement. Goes back into the city and as he's going into the city, he's hungry. He sees the fig tree. The fig tree bears leaves but no figs. He curses it. And then he comes back to Bethany. And what happens there? He is fed. His need is met. He is not fed in Jerusalem. He is not fed by the fig tree. He's fed in Bethany. And Bethany means house of figs. It is the place that meets the heart of Jesus Christ. He's not fed out in the world. It cannot meet his need. It cannot satisfy his heart. And neither can organized religion. Neither can Judaism. He's fed in Bethany. See, Bethany is a place that's for the Lord. It exists by him, through him, and to him. It exists 
to meet his beating heart. And he goes there and they have this banquet to celebrate the resurrection of Lazarus. Jesus is at the head of the table. He's, he's the guest of honor. Simon is probably at the head of the table. Jesus is next to him. Lazarus is probably next to him. And they are reclining. And they're having this wonderful meal that Martha no doubt prepared and Mary no doubt helped her. And Martha's serving, but it's different now. She's changed. And all of a sudden, the people, and the disciples are there too, get a whiff of this potent, powerful aroma. And they don't know where it's coming from. And they're looking around, and all of a sudden, they spot Mary. And she is on the floor, kneeling on the floor, at the feet of Jesus. And she has just broken open the seal of this vial, which is in, it's in a beautiful alabaster flask. And she takes it, and I, I can imagine the room is frozen. Everybody's watching this, and now Martha... She's no longer complaining. I see her watching this in awe. And as Mary lifts that vial up, she pours the perfume, which is worth, in our time, at least $50,000, upon the head of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it runs down his hair, and then she unbounds her hair, which is a scandalous thing to do in the first century, an extravagant thing to do, an immodest thing to do. And she takes the perfume that is the ointment that is poured down and she takes it in her hands and then she begins to wipe his feet with it. And in Mark it says she uses her hair to wipe it. And so she's anointing his head, she's anointing his feet, there's silence, People are in awe, they're watching this, and the aroma from the broken flask is filling the room. There is a fragrance that is flooding that place. And I can see Martha having tears streaming down her face. This is a very touching moment. Jesus is not saying a word. This is extravagant worship. This is supreme devotion this is over the top <laughs> use our language over the top love the best that she had the most valuable thing that she had actually in some translations when Jesus speaks about it he says she has kept this for the day of my burial she didn't use it to anoint Lazarus body she kept it for Jesus. And Jesus said, in his defense of her, she is anointing me for burial. Somehow this woman intuitively knew that he did not have long to live. And she was preparing his body. She outstripped the disciples. He would say often, and I'm sure he told this in the hearing of Mary, the Son of Man will be delivered 
to the Gentiles and he will be crucified, but he will rise again the third day. And, and the scripture says clearly, they did not understand what he was talking about. Well, Mary understood. And here is the kicker. This is the first time we have the one and only sermon preached by Judas in all the Bible. Why are you wasting this on him? Which being translated means he is not worth it. Waste is giving that which is too much. It's giving more than what's required. If I hire Dan to help me clean out my garage and I say I'm going to pay you for it and I give him $50,000, you'd say, what are you wasting that money on him for? But look what he did. He didn't really do much. Why this waste? Sisters and brothers, Mary did not do this outrageous act of worship, love, and devotion to give him the very best that she had, that which was the most valuable in her life. She did not do this out of guilt. She did not do this out of duty. She was not told to do this by any human being. She was not asked to do this or commanded to do this by Jesus himself. She did not do this out of condemnation. She did not do this for show. Because let me tell you something. If she was doing it to get attention, it would have been negative attention. Because to unbind her hair was a pretty scandalous thing to do. Pretty bold to do this. She did this for one reason. Her eyes were opened to see the supreme value and worth of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what drew this action out of her. Her eyes were open to see how worthy he was. And here is the meaning of Bethany. It is the place, sisters and brothers, hear me, where the absolute worth and value of Jesus Christ is understood. And it is responded to. It is a place where we waste ourselves on Christ. Where other people would say, why are you wasting your life? Why are you wasting your career? Why are you wasting your money? Why are you wasting who you are? Why are you wasting your talents? Why are you wasting your gifts? Why are you wasting this? Why are you wasting that? Why this waste? And it is because of the unsurpassing worth of the Lord Jesus Christ. My eyes have been opened to see He's worthy of everything and I gladly waste myself on Him. And there will always be a Judas. And not only that, but the other disciples chimed in. They were taken by this. It says it. The other disciples chimed in. Why this waste? They did not understand themselves who Jesus was, but Mary did. And the Lord was so touched by this that he said, wherever the gospel will be proclaimed, this act of hers will be told and rehearsed.
everyone will know who hears about me what she did. You talk about fame, renown. This woman, <laughs> you can't trump that. But she, she wasn't doing it for that reason. And I will say this to you, sisters and brothers. When you waste yourself on Christ in whatever it is that you waste yourself on Him with, oftentimes people would not notice. And that's good. Why are you doing it anyway? I will say this, that the Lord has His crosshairs on something in all of our lives that is the measure of the greatest value we have, that which we hold dearest. And he is not asking. He's not demanding. He's not guilting. He's not condemning. But if our eyes are open to see who he is, we will do like Mary, and we will gladly waste it upon him. For to waste ourselves on him, saints, is not a waste, for there is nothing too valuable to pour out on him. And this is the supreme meaning of Bethany. And I love how he defends her again. Here she is, loving the Lord, giving him all that she has, the very best that she owns. And now she's being criticized again. First it was with Martha, her own sister. Now it's with one of the disciples. And more, because the others chimed in. Mary never says a word. But Jesus rises to her defense. Isn't that beautiful? Leave her alone. She has done a good work on me. You're going to have the poor with you always. And there are very few things that are closer to God's heart than helping the poor. But there is one thing that's more important than the poor saints. It is Jesus himself. And when he rose again from the dead, he was fragrant. He had 100 pounds of myrrh and aloes poured upon him by Nicodemus. We're told this in John, I think it's 19. 100 pounds of myrrh and aloes to perfume the body, the corpse, was the amount that you poured upon a king. It was the royal amount, a hundred pounds. That's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> Think about it. That's pretty heavy. So Jesus has a hundred pounds, but just before this happened, days before, he had a whole pound of pistic nard, spike nard poured upon his body. And she anointed his head and then his feet. And it was kings. Only kings were anointed from head first to feet. When they were anointed, it was from the head down. So she was indicating in that act, she was saying, you are the king. You are my king. It's powerful. Stunning. And when he came out of that grave, he was fragrant. And there is in the New Testament the phrase, the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, 
There is nothing more precious on this earth than a human vessel who has surrendered and in loving devotion wasted everything that they have. That which is most valuable to them lavishly poured it out upon Jesus Christ. There is a fragrance that is emitted from such a person. A spiritual scent that comes through the brokenness of that waste. And there is nothing more beautiful than a group of Christians, a church, a body of believers, a community that has wasted their lives on Jesus Christ. And people do not understand. And I'm not talking about works. I'm not talking about doing things the Martha way, in your own energy, and for wrong motives. I'm talking about wasting yourself on Him because you've seen Him in His peerless worth. And He's drawn it out of you. There is an aroma that is emitted from a group of believers who have wasted themselves on Jesus Christ. There's a fragrance. So what is my word to you tonight? To all of us. God wants a Bethany. He wants all of us to be this little village that has received this world's true Lord in all of his fullness. A place where he can lay his head and find rest and be comfortable and be who he is. A place where we waste ourselves upon him. And this is why it's so important I believe, and it's what changed my life. There's so many voices out there, folks. I mean, you can go to the Christian bookstore Monday and look through all of the books that are featured there. And you can listen to all the sermons on the Internet. And you can hear so much information. But what we need and what we should spend our time doing is to find the gold to avail ourselves of a revelation of Jesus Christ where Christ himself is unveiled not things but Christ and only then will our hearts be open and our eyes will be open to see him and that can come through our brothers and sisters and people who are pursuing him that can come through us first opening up our hearts, but it also comes from us availing ourselves of those who unveil Christ. Because when that happens, something incredible, almost magical, if I can use that word. I don't mean black magic or white magic. I mean electric. I mean unexplainable. Supernatural happens. We say, what a Christ. And out of the depths of us, we yield and we give. And so I want to challenge you tonight. What is your alabaster box? What is it that the Lord is asking you to give? And here's the thing. Don't do anything. Just say, Lord, open my eyes that I might see your beauty and your glory. That's the prayer. 
Because once that happens, guess what? You will be like Mary and fall at his feet. And this is the third time she's at his feet. The third time in the gospel she's at his feet. And it will draw out of you automatically, naturally, everything. And you will willingly give him all. And saints, the fragrance of that spike nard will come through your life. It is through the broken vessel. It is through the wasted ointment that the aroma fills the room. And that's not just a nice little metaphor. That's the truth. May the Lord get in all of us, wherever we live, a Bethany. And may it start tonight, and as a result of this conference, may you go home and take it with you. And as I talked about Friday night, if you have bitterness in your heart, for those who have rejected you, I encourage you, deal with the Lord. Write those names out. Write those things down. Bring it to Him. Give it to Him and burn it. And I want to say something else. When you become a Bethany, you get free. Roll away the stone. Lazarus, come forth. Loose him and let him go. He's free now. Free from religious duty. Free from guilt and condemnation. Free from the world system because it cannot eclipse the glory and worth of Jesus Christ. Free from the bondage of sin. Free from all things except for Christ. There's freedom in Bethany. And we have the closing scene which we won't look at, but in Luke 24, the resurrected Jesus brings them out to Bethany. His disciples are there. Mary and Martha and Lazarus are there. And he lifts his hands and he blesses them. And this is what the high priests would do when they would bless. They'd lift their hands. He is now entering into his high priestly ministry. And he ascends to heaven from his favorite place on earth. And the angels say, as you saw him go, he will return. He's coming back for a Bethany. May we be, all of us, that place. And may our churches, whatever they may be, organic, house church, simple church, missional church, institutional church, denominational church, traditional church, may our churches be a Bethany. Because saints, if they're not, they aren't worth a toot on a tin whistle. He wants a Bethany. That's what he's interested in. And the last thing I will close with is this. There will be crisis in Bethany. There will be death in Bethany. But there will be resurrection in Bethany. And then there will be ascension in Bethany. Seated with Him in heavenly places. As a reality, not just a doctrine. Praise the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful message? So, you can forget everything else you've learned in the Christian world. <laughs> And just remember, the Lord wants a Bethany. And the transformation that happens with everyone there, from Lazarus to Martha and Mary, what a beautiful picture.
of what Jesus Christ wants. And he's worthy. There's no one like him. There's nothing like him. And as Paul prayed in Ephesians, that the eyes of your heart would be opened. That the spirit of wisdom and revelation may be given to you. That you may see him. And upon seeing him, you've seen everything. And I have made the statement about Colossians, which reveals Jesus Christ to us in, in ways that go beyond the stratosphere. The person that says, yes, I've received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, yes, but we've got to go on to other things. My answer to that is, you have not seen the Christ of Colossians, because there is nowhere else to go. You cannot get beyond him. And I would just say this to you, if you want more than what I've said, there's a message online. You can get it on my website, frankviola.org. Just listen, it's free. There's no cost or anything. It's called Epic Jesus. And if you listen to that with an open heart, quiet somewhere, alone, and when it's over, if your heart does not say, what a Lord, what a Christ, wow then one of two things is happening. You don't have a spiritual pulse at all. Or, I think the message is better than it is. One of the two is happening. I didn't communicate what was in my heart. How's that? Let's sing a song.